Good morning, this is Jay Westerveld with Tales and Trails, my weekly show here on WTVQ Radio Worth Listening To. The uh, show is really about global culture and nature for sure, uh, ecology and uh, a lot of outdoor recreation. And being as the global pandemic has really changed so many things, we've sort of made the show a little bit more about recreation just as a way to get people outdoors. Here at WTBQ, we broadcast to all of New York City, a lot of uh, Westchester County, some of Putnam County, Rockland County, Orange County, some of Sullivan and Ulster counties here in New York, and also Eastern Pennsylvania and Northern New Jersey. As such, these people who live in this uh, future megalopolis are living very near a lot of great places to do outdoor things. And so we've sort of endeavored to provide avenues for people to get outside and just do more cool things like hiking, biking, certainly skiing and snowboarding. But uh, alas, the winter is on its way out, at least in this part of the world. Um, Mount Peter here in New York State, right in Warwick and um, Mountain Creek, uh, just over the border in New Jersey, only 10 minutes from the radio station here in Warwick, New York, uh, are both closed for the season. And um, they were able to go pretty long because of the uh, great natural snowpack. So things are changing. We're in that transitional time of the year where we find new things to do if we even were people who got outside during the winter. Out in Colorado, my dear old friend Chris Bell uh, is to be my guest today. I don't know if he's called in, but I think he'll be calling in uh, at some point pretty soon. And uh, Chris is a lot of fun. We've uh, had a lot of uh, interesting times together and have done a, a lot of fun things together. And skiing in Colorado is um, sort of the apogee for U.S. skiing in a lot of ways. Uh, the driest snow is typically in the state of Utah uh, nearby, and uh, some of the highest elevation stuff is in Colorado. When I worked at Arapaho Basin in 1986, that was actually the highest uh, lift-served skiing in America that's been eclipsed by, I believe, Big Mountain, Montana, and maybe even another since then. But Chris is still out there at uh, Steamboat, or as we call it, Dreamboat, and it will be interesting to get some word from him as to what's happening transitionally there. The radio station has really made a great outlet to clue people in on things to do uh, during this time. And uh, you know, for that, I really do have to thank um, both Frank Truat and Definitely Taylor Sterling. Um, Taylor is an enigmatic, energetic, fun, and incredibly disarmingly intelligent person who's very outgoing and always wants to help folks uh, if and when they, they need it, and sometimes when they don't realize it. And it's just been a pleasure uh, working with these people, and I look forward to more of this in the future. And to that end, I think um, we've all seen some value in trying to share ways for people to get outside, get some sunshine and some fresh air. And out in Colorado, where the air is a little thinner at that high altitude up at Dreamboat, I think we may have Chris Beldar Bell on the line. Are you here, Chris? Hey, Jay, how are you? What's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good. I'm having a little trouble hearing you, but I think it's probably my uh, t tech issues on my end. But <laughs> we'll get we'll get through it. 
Okay, I, I, I think we will. You know, having trouble hearing me is rarely a complaint that I hear. Normally, I'm a little too loud, so that's kind of interesting. Um, if I have to turn up the mic here or anything, let me know. And uh, our great sound oh, guy will definitely it up, baby. <laughs> always, turn always it up. crank it. You know, <laughs> um, how are things out at Dreamboat? Are are uh, you guys still in full ops? We are in full ops, and uh, it is more and more blue every day. And uh, you know, spring's coming, and it's. Uh, it's a weird thing in that it's, um, you know, we're, I think we're all tired, uh, but the spring is kind of waking us up a little bit, um, but we're, we're, we're tired. <laughs> well said. You know, last day over at Mountain Creek over here in New Jersey was Saturday, and I was really excited to get out there. Hey, let's do the last day, you know, before they close for the season. Honestly, Saturday morning I came in here and I did uh, – the radio show that I guest on with Stephen Keeter, his free speech show, which is amazing, 11 a.m. Saturday mornings. And uh, we had a lot of fun with that show. We had a great guest. And honestly, after the show, Chris, even though I was ready to go skiing, I had my stuff in the car, just wasn't feeling it, man. I just said, yeah. as great as it is, you know, brother is tired. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about springtime, you know. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it really it really is funny, but we did go out yesterday. I think I sent you a couple pictures. And uh, yes, you did. It really, you know, it, it is just there is something about the air and the sky and just being outside that just makes us uh, human. You know. Well said. No, it does. That that reconnection is everything. It's really scary to me. Uh, I, you know, I have friends. In fact, I, you know, I work with a lot of people with their skiing. Uh, just friends and family and colleagues and stuff. And there are a few people who I know who are just inside way more because they're lacking their firsthand socialization that they used to get by going to um, school, uh, high schoolers and stuff, university people. So they're inside online 24 seven, you know, I mean, even when they're sleeping, they're still kind of plugged in. And it's a little scary. These people aren't getting fresh air. They aren't getting the sunlight. And frankly, they're not getting away from the, you know, I hate to say it. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. I'm not one. But the, those high EMFs of just being inside around the router and all those electromagnetic fields, et cetera, sometimes it's just good to get away from that. Take your shoes off, put your feet on the bare asphalt or ground, and actually ground out and relax and breathe and people are doing that less and less and now with springtime coming i think we're all thinking that way a lot more well you know you said it best uh when we last spoke um you know about children i mean they uh you know even yesterday i always stop and make sure you know snowboarders are okay and skiers are okay if they're stopped and um you know a lot of times you'll come up on little kids and they're just eating snow and looking at the sky <laughs> Yeah, doing what they're supposed to do. There was a comedian, it may have been George Carlin, when he, you know, rest in peace, so it would have had to have been a while ago. Chris, I think it was George Carlin who said, you know, stop giving kids all these crazy extra activities to do, especially scholastic endeavors. Let them just go outside and play with a stick in the dirt, you know? <laughs> and kids really work out a lot of spatial things. You know, I won't even get into all that. Just by those kind of just firsthand just moving stuff around, throwing rocks around, whatever, you know? And there's such a, just a, um, a cultural resistance to that now, you know, that sort of, Bobby, stay away from the mud. Bobby, don't go by that squirrel. And that's not yeah. healthy, you know? I mean, I'm not saying pet squirrels, but, uh, you know, there's a happy medium somewhere and that's missing. 
at Mountain Creek here in Jersey. I don't work there. As a lifelong professional on slopes, I still stop and check on kids like that. And I saw a funny dynamic this year. And let me know if you see this out at Dreamboat, Chris. I saw a lot of little tiny kids snowboarding. And with um, a lot of times I'd see little two and three-year-olds who appeared to be alone on the hill snowboarding, man. And I just, It is remarkable. And it is so cool to see it. I mean, I see these little grommets whipping by me. And I'm like, that kid's like three years old, yeah, totally by herself and just rocking it. I'm like, and every time I ski up to him or, or go by him, I give him a thumbs up and they're like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're kind of like, yeah, keep, keep moving, old man. You know, it, it's yeah. funny. And the parents, you know, it looks crazy, but typically the parents are not too far away. For some reason, uh, there were a lot of Japanese American fathers with their daughters and sons snowboarding this year. And I was blown away how these guys just sort of let them rip. They would give these kids a few hundred meters but, or, you know, a few hundred yards down the hill um, on their own before they'd ride down to catch up with them. Now, that might sound a little crazy, but these kids were getting it. I, I you know, really have to raise a glass to, to those dads. It was kind of interesting to see. And in some cases, the moms, but... Uh, you know, it, it was a, a welcome change from how things sometimes are here in the West. It was good to see. So yeah, yeah. you're seeing that there too, though, at least uh, little kids yeah, ripping absolutely. around, which is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as, as you know, I mean, I, you know, Mountain Creek is a destination for, um, you know, our area there in the Hudson Valley. But, you know, I don't think you get a lot of people flying from no, other countries and other states to, to visit Mountain Creek, but we do. And I notice um, some real differences in people from Europe and people from, you know, Asian countries in the way they behave. And it's, it's really kind of neat and refreshing, you yeah. know, to see the way they're not very helicoptery. Exactly. You know? Hey, Chris, speaking of helicoptery, we have uh, a word from our sponsors helicoptering in. And when we come back, please, let's talk about that. Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Tune in every Saturday at 8 a.m. for Horseplay with me, Jimmy Cassidy of the Clover Stables. Boarding, riding lessons, and how to take life by the reins. Radio worth listening to. Hi, I'm Dave Edwards, and I invite you to join me every Sunday night when we'll showcase a perfect album. I'll start with side one, track one, and we'll play every song in order from the record. A few bonus songs, as well as some trivia, too, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. WTVQ. 
We're back with Tales and Trails. This is Jay Westerveld. This is our weekly show where, well, lately we've been talking more about uh, outdoor recreation and especially getting kids out there. My guest today is my very dear old friend, Chris Beldar Bell, and he's out at Steamboat Colorado, or as we call it, Dream Boat. And we were just talking about how at a destination resort, uh, like Dreamboat especially, we get people from all over the world, and Chris is talking about the sort of um, the nice respite, the nice escape from helicopter parenting that we tend to see more with East Asian and European guests who tend to bring their own culture with them and say, you know what, I'm gonna let my kid kind of work things out, I'm gonna let my kid, you know, try some new things. I'm going to let my kid fall down and maybe fail, maybe get a scrape or two because that's how kids grow and learn. And re remember, the opinions expressed here aren't the uh, opinions of uh, WTBQ Radio or its affiliates. But, you know, it's something that I subscribe to. And Chris, as you know, um, I race coached and taught both skiing and snowboarding in Europe for a very long time. And I was always, always really impressed with how the kids there are sort of just, you know, put on their skis and told, go for it. If you fall down, get back up, don't cry, have fun. And you were talking about that, Chris, how at a destination resort like Dreamboat, you're seeing more of that. Well, yeah, and you know, I think that uh, both you and I, luckily, were kind of sent outside with sticks as kids. And <laughs> I think it, it, it's kind of a big thing. And I mean, to that point, you and I mentioned yesterday, uh, some time I spent on Martha's Vineyard and um, in maybe about 1985 or something, I, I decided I was going to live on Martha's Vineyard with a bunch of friends. And, <laughs> uh, I went up there, you know, with a 1972 Alfa Romeo that barely ran with about $22 in my pocket, got off the ferry and decided I didn't want to wash dishes for a living. I wanted to be outside. Right. So I went to this sailing, uh, rental place and said, you know, I, 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 I can sail. I'd love to teach sailing and I'd love to learn how to windsurf. And they said, well, geez, we're, we're going to have a job for you. So every morning I would get up at about 5 a.m. after my car broke and uh, <laughs> with a, a bicycle I found in somebody's trash. And I'd ride it down there every morning and set up all their sailboats and uh, take a windsurfer and go out there and try and teach myself how to windsurf. Guy would show up and be like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, everything's set up. Um, so it's this outdoors thing that we want to do. And ultimately the guy gave me a job and at one point told me I was the best employee he ever had. I'm <laughs> not surprised. Sailing to kids from Boston and eventually I became a windsurfing instructor. And, uh, but it was just this determination. Um, I think that from playing with sticks outside that I said, well, geez, this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to go ahead and go for it. Yeah, well, well done. Coincidentally, 1983, summertime, I was in L.A., actually Venice Beach. For a very short period of time, I, I was actually fronting for a hardcore band. That sounded so cool, you know, to a, a guy who's 2021. 20, and um, <clears throat> I thought, wow, this is going to be so cool. It was the, the, just the most depressing, crushing experience. I mean, it was just such a waste of time and such, you know, terrible people and, you know, just a, a lot of posers without a lot to give the world and not a lot, you know, to do outdoors. I wanted to go out to, you know, Muscle Beach every day and lift. That was really my primary hobby at the time. And I was finding myself too tired to get over to the pen as the, you know, thing is called there on the beach where all the benches are. And 
for a number of reasons, I had to vacate L.A., sort of like Snake Plissken in the, uh, you know, the second movie. <laughs> and my cousin, Fly, up in Lake Tahoe, said, hey, man, I'm managing a big uh, thing here on Lake Tahoe where, where we teach windsurfing, and we have windsurfing and sailing and all. And, Jay, I know you've sailed a little. Why don't you come up? <clears throat> so I, I got... Jay, hold on. Yeah. Well, let me just... You, weren't you... Um, a skipper or on the sailing team or something out in Southampton Southampton College yeah that was that yeah. was a few years later about five years later but I went up there Chris and I thought oh okay so I sail a little I surf sailboarding should be easy brother I'm just not a multitasker you know it never worked for me I tried it and I just said this is not for me so instead I you know I gassed up um, you know watercraft and stuff for people and acted as a lifeguard but that was it. I, you know, windsurfing to me, just I could never quite put it together because, you know, the way my my brain is hardwired, it just didn't happen for me. And I remember that whenever I'm working with kids in snowboarding or skiing or other endeavors, sometimes we have to respect hardwiring and say, you know what, little Bobby just isn't feeling snowboarding. Let's put him on some skis, etc. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you encounter this. I mean, you raised a an amazing son who I can't believe the videos of how he sends it, you know, freestyle in the park and all these crazy. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. But you know, we, we see this in steamboat, you know, this place is uh, home to more um, Olympians, I think than any place in the country. And I don't quite know what the ingredients are, but um, I, I talk to these little kids that go to Christian school and they snowboard and ski and um, they are just little animals, but it's not so yeah. much being pushed into it. It's um, their environment, and they just dig it. You know, I uh, substitute teach down at her school every now and then right. with these first graders, and the stories that come out of these kids' mouths, I mean, you know, the little girls are uh, rodeo champions. <laughs> so <laughs> rad, yeah. It's just unbelievable, and I think it's just this way of life. I mean, they come to school, and, you know, back uh, in New England or, you know, Hudson Valley, you know, you'd say, oh, gee, this kid is dressed up for Halloween. No, this is the life they live. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I was a little guy, I wasn't forced into skiing. I mean, yeah, I went to the ski school every day because my, you know, my parents ran the ski school. They're both Canadian certified instructors, even though they were both American natives. Um, and they neither of them pushed me into it chris i used to just sit around and draw pictures on the picnic table inside with all the instructors i was a little tyke and what they would do is they'd find a cool outgoing instructor usually german dudes and say hey go take jj for some runs see if he'll go you know and these guys especially eddie creel who went on to be the director at whiteface for you know more than 30 years he'd come up yeah che you want to go make some runs and i'd be like i don't know i'm a little cold yeah i'll get some cocoa afterwards come on you know and i'd go in that enthusiasm kids definitely connect to and if there were more people who did that during this pandemic to sort of be the Eddie Creel, yeah, let's get outside, little man, you know, and get you going <laughs> out there. The kids respond to it. But, you know, just having mommy go, Dale Lynn, you got to get outside. It's not going to happen, you know? Absolutely. And you're seeing it. You know, and it's funny because my parents, although they were, you know, active people and stuff, they, I found skiing and all that kind of stuff, maybe by myself walking through the woods, from Tuxedo over to what became Tuxedo Ridge. Yes, Jolene Forest. 
forest, but I, you know, I'd walk on a trail carrying my ski boots. <laughs> just that's where my friends were and stuff. And yeah. I, I met a woman named Christy Northrup who wrote a book called Skiing with Kids. Um, and she was actually married to one of the Harriman people for a while, a guy called Ned uh, Northrup, who unfortunately was killed riding his bicycle. I didn't, Harriman, I didn't know this. I, you know, I know her, I, I know her book. I know her name. I didn't know she had that connection here, Chris. That's cool. Yeah, and she lived, um, believe it or not, out uh, down by the golf course out, out in uh, Eagle Valley with her husband, Ned, who I, I don't know if she was a Harriman or he was, but sadly they got divorced, but he then was killed, you know, 10 years later or something, uh, uh. training for a triathlon on uh, Seven Lakes Drive. On his bicycle, a, a driver hit him, and sadly he died. But uh, both of their kids, who are adults now, live out in, they're both out here in Colorado, and they both teach skiing to kids. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, no, the, the name. Never, I... Yeah, I'll never forget Christy, and actually we're friends on Facebook, and I, I, I'll never forget her saying to me, I was struggling with skiing, but I played hockey down at Fritz Dietl when I was in sure. first grade. And um, I was a pretty good skater, uh, and I, I didn't like hockey very much because I didn't like, you know, big guys hitting me. But um, I was a pretty good skater, and Christy came up to me one day on the bunny slope when I was in about second grade, and she smiled at me kind of in that German way that you're saying, and she said, stop fighting it. And I said, what? There you go. And she said, you know how to skate. I said, yeah. She goes, these are just longer skates. It clicked. Yeah. And from that day forward, I was off to the races. And it's just those little words, I think, every now and then that maybe will open the door for somebody. You know? Exactly. That's really well said. Um, I, I imagine, and I, I, you know, certainly after the break, we'll get to it. Maybe we have some time now, too. Um, but you, you have to have some pretty wacky stories from the vineyard. You know, I, I mean, I've sailed up there just a few times from Southampton. And uh, it was a kind of a zany place, you know, not really my crowd. I'm, I, I don't feel like I'm enough of a Kennedy. Although, you know, it's the same crowd that's at Stowe in the winter, it seems, right? You know, they, if they... if great. Yeah, I mean, if they can't afford uh, Ishkel, you know, they go to Stowe. And I remember that everybody, you know, the real heavy skiers at Stowe, and I used to spend a lot of time up there, <clears throat> were all real vineyard enthusiasts. Did you meet any knuckleheads or a anybody interesting, famous people, et cetera? You know, Jay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably ought to do it after the break. But, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that places that are kind of interesting are, are a little bit hard to get to. And I think, right. luckily, my parents found uh, Edgartown and Martha's Vineyard um, before it became popular, before everyone realized that Jaws was filmed there and all that kind of stuff. Right, and, right. You know, there were some Kennedys, but, you know, after the break, I can tell you about me getting in a car with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd when I was 14. And, You're kidding me. I didn't know I, this. Dude, uh, that's great. Wow. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what, Chris, let, we'll take a quick uh, word from the sponsors, and then I, I want to hear all about that. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? 
they would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Dr. David Leach, the superintendent of the Warwick Valley Central School District and host of Your Schools. Listen every Monday at 12 noon to learn what's happening in your schools right here on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. Hi, this is your favorite assemblyman, Carl Brabadek. And your state senator, Mike Martucci. And we are teaming up for the Friday Roundtable, where we'll be talking about what's happening in Albany. That's every Friday at 9 a.m. on On radio radio worth worth listening to. WTBQ, GHT Weather. A beautiful day today, breezy, lots of sunshine, a high near 50. Tonight, clear skies as winds turn calm, low of 25 to 30. Tuesday, a chilly start turning to a nice day, mostly sunny skies, highs back in the low 60s. Mainly clear, turning mostly cloudy, Tuesday night, upper 30s. And Wednesday, clouds sticking with a couple showers midday, turning to a period of steady rain in the afternoon, upper 50s, near 60. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist Michael Prianti. WTBQ. We're back with Tales and Trails. This is Jay Westerveld, and today's one of those Tales days more than Trails days, I think. Uh, my guest today is my dear friend and very frequent guest, Chris Bell. And it's funny, we're talking about the transition season now from winter into springtime and other ways people can get outdoors. And we sort of started talking a little more about better ways to engage children to get outdoors and to get out, you know, get away from the tablet and get out of the house and find it exciting and become enthusiastic about getting outdoors. And then Chris mentioned how he uh, taught himself to windsurf in Martha's Vineyard. Now, the vineyard's a a pretty wild place in a lot of ways, and it was never quite my scene. Uh, The few times I I stopped in there and, you know, promptly uh, made my way back down to Long Island. But Chris, you, you mentioned right before the break that you ran into some interesting uh, sort of Hollywood types, including Dan Aykroyd and rest in peace, uh, John Belushi. That sounds wild. It sounds very Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> At least Aykroyd. Bit, yeah, a, a bit before Ghostbusters. But, you know, I think when these things happen to you when you're young, you don't really realize that you're really, these people are just normal people living their lives and you know all this stardom and stuff is really not what who they are right you know i was probably 15 or 16 or something and there was some party going on at at, at some beach outside of Egertown, and a friend of mine and i would hitchhike everywhere or ride our bicycles but this night we were hitchhiking and a volvo turbo like 240 pulls over and uh they pick us up, and it is a bunch of two, you know, 30-year-old guys or something, and they're smoking cigarettes and drinking beer and in the car, and they drive us out to this party, and they uh, kind of hung out in the car for a little bit, and we invited them, and it occurred to us as we were getting out, the, out of the car that these were the guys from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and, Blues uh, Brothers, really. Yeah, and they were really nice to us, and they just kind of hung out in their car for about 10 minutes and drove away. I found out later that, in fact... Um, I believe John Belushi's ashes ended up in West Tisbury, 
uh, Massachusetts. And sadly, I think a bunch of people visited that spot and maybe, you know, left beer cans and stuff there, which is probably not great. But um, a, a lot of people uh, that were kind of that time, you know, Carly Simon and James Taylor were out there. And, uh, you know, I had an encounter with, with them a little bit later when I was in my 20s. Uh, James Taylor came in one day to the to the sailboat shop I was working in uh, in a little Honda. I didn't know it was him. He was a small guy, a little bit balding, with sure. a cowboy hat on. And uh, he bought like four windsurfers. And then uh, a couple ah. days later, this pretty girl comes in and she says, "Hey, uh, we're throwing a party." And of course, I'm by myself. You know, my my hippie boss is like not there. And she says, "Would you host a party and bring over some?" sailboat and windsurfers and instructors and we're doing a party out in lobsterville well turns out i'm dragging a bunch of sailboats and windsurfers with three of my idiot friends and co-workers <laughs> out there and we show up at a party and it is like rock star city wow. on the beach and we're but it was very low-key and we're teaching these people how to windsurf and sail in a little pond out in Menemsha or Lobsterville, and it didn't really occur to me that it was a big deal until, I don't know, 10 years later. I'm like, wow, I was... Uh, yeah, that's kind of... Mick, Mick Jagger had to rig a laser. <laughs> oh, that is rad, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you know, that's... Uh, and, and I'm sure, you know, someday, <clears throat> 50 years from now, uh, he and Keith Richards are going to be remembering that very fondly and saying, yeah, remember that guy built our way back. <laughs> You well, the, the one the one funny one, Jay, that, that I really I, I can't believe I never shared this with you. I'm sitting in that windsurfing sail shop there in Vineyard Haven one day in the morning by myself, and uh, a, a lady walks in. She was probably about my mom's age, really pretty, uh, not overly well dressed, but sport sport sporty dressed. Right. And you know, dirt parking lot. And woman comes in. And she goes, "How much is that?" sailboard right there and i said i don't know nine hundred dollars something she goes i'll take seven of them do you, do you deliver them i'm like yes and i'm i'm, I'm all by myself and th they were these brand new french uh sailboards called mistral yeah mistral yeah because they made snowboards later with because of their deep pockets f2 yeah, and mistral both uh got involved in snow sports to a degree in the later 80s yeah Right, and we would kind of customize them with Neil Pride sales and stuff. And um, so I basically spent an hour with this lady, and she had these big black sunglasses on, and she was all by herself. And it was, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning. Sun's out, dirt parking lot. I'm dragging these things out of the shed. She goes, can you deliver them? And I said, yeah, sure, we can hook them up behind the Jeep and deliver them, but it'll take us a day or so. I said, can I just go ahead and ring you up? And it was before computers and all that. Of course. You know, and I'm, I've got a pen, and it was, you know, a slide credit card thing. And I say to the lady, I said, what's your name? And she says, Jacqueline. And I said, okay. And I, oh, boy. Last minute, and she says, Onassis. Come on. I said, really? I kid, I kid you not. Wow. And I'm, and I'm writing this. Now, of course, I'm, uh, you know, 21 years old or something. I'm half asleep. Uh, that I'm is only, wild, man. I'm the only guy in the place. And uh, she looks she pulls her glasses down, looks at me, and I could see her eyes kind of smiling a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, and I get through the whole credit card thing. I run her credit card. She gets back in like a pickup truck with, you know, like a farmhand or something and leaves. You know, I would have said declined just to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> but just to 
<laughs> Holy smokes, I may have just met the ex-Mrs. Kennedy. <laughs> That's so cool. That That is really wonderful. That That is a neat story. Um, that Yeah, it sounds like those vineyard days. You know, there was a, a real low-budget filmmaker. He did um, Better Off Dead. Uh, Savage Steve Holland was uh, the guy's name. It's Steve Holland. He did the movie Better Off Dead. Remember $2, John Cusick, the, the ski uh, movie? Where, where's my $2? Where's my $2, the, the newspaper yeah, delivery boy? This mountain, is worth, this mountain is worth a fortune. <laughs> exactly. So the, he did a, a beach-based movie, and it was called, I think, One Crazy Summer. I believe it was based on the vineyard. And it, uh, I may be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was the vineyard that it was uh, both based upon and, and filmed at. But I, I have to look into that to find out for sure. Um, no, it, it sounds pretty crazy, Chris. What's going on now for this? You know, you're not getting any older. What are you going to do this spring and summer? Are you coming back this way to the East Coast? Or are you going to stay out at Dreamboat? Well, you know, I'll tell you, we were so pleasantly surprised, you know, when we moved here. We didn't realize that the summers were almost better than the winters. Right. Um, so I think, you know, this spring, I'm, I'm going to go see my father. He's down in Florida, and my sister lives near him. Um, we're going to do that in about two weeks, and then we're going to come back. And, you know, we've got that place in northern Michigan, which, by the way, you really ought to load up your car and come see us. But um, we're going to do that for about two weeks. But I think our plan is really to kind of stay in uh, in Colorado th this summer. We've got a lot of camping to do. And, in fact, right around us, I mean, I I've got 10 years of trails to explore. Right, so. I hear that. How, how much longer is, uh, are you guys going to have skiing for? Uh, we close April 11th. Okay. And uh, I am actually on a jet to uh, Florida on April 10th. Gotcha. So, you know, now, so. I, heard, I thought I read somewhere. Is Andy Worth involved with Steamboat right now? I don't know. Um, he was a guy who used oh. to be with IntraWest, and then he was with uh, KSL. And you know, I don't know the answer to that, Jay. And uh, you know, it's been really interesting me learning about this corporate ski thing that you've known about for you know yeah. your life. This is kind of a new world to me, and uh, so I don't really know who the players are. I mean, I know that you know Rob Perlman runs the place, and right. you know my direct boss in human you know uh, in customer relations is you know a guy i know but other than that i don't really know the players that's a good and way to be really honestly at any business it the less you know about the upper echelon the better you are especially in terms of i know this and i i think it's kind of exciting you know steamboat really blew up in the 80s and yes. it's kind of poorly designed the base area and i'm sure you know it probably better than i do but you know um what they're doing now is i think the day after they close they are demolishing the base area and going to try and make it a little bit more friendly to the wilderness that's backed up behind us because I think we're having kind of a bad human impact here. Yes. Um, so I'm really proud of at least the plans I've seen of what Steamboat's doing, but I will say I'm kind of excited about this summer to watch them demolish the 1980s debacle that right. exists right, right. now. And that's that's a nice trend that we see sometimes. You know, they a lot of uh, American resorts went with the Canadian model of having the uh, un underground parking under a lot of things. Uh, it doesn't work everywhere, especially where we you know we have fault lines and stuff in the west, uh, far west. I mean, 
But um, no, you, you see that happening quite a lot. And it's a good thing. I'm hoping that back here in the east, again, near this megalopolis of the greater New York City area or the tri-state area, as we say, that we'll see more of the New England resorts staying open. Uh, I know that some, like here in New York, the COVID restrictions were really, really crushing uh, to the, the ops of these resorts. And I know a lot of New England is quite bad. You're getting to the end of your season there in Colorado. Looking back or even, you know, looking forward uh, to tomorrow and today even out on the hill, how, how are the COVID uh, pandemic adjustments working out? How's everyone adapting? I think everyone's done pretty well. You know, we've got some challenges in that we've got a lot of, you know, Route County is, is pretty strict, like maybe like New York. Um, and we've got a lot of people coming from out of state, like, you know, Texas and Louisiana, where they've got, you know, different protocols. And uh, it's been a challenge, but people are really cooperating. And, and I think it's because they're excited to be outside. That said, we have lately, you know, now that the days are getting longer, the moose are starting to move around, and I think I sent you a picture of the yeah. two meese in my driveway <laughs> yesterday. And That's oddly amazing. Enough, you know, oddly enough, one of, the, one of the challenges that we've had eclipsing the COVID thing is humans interacting with wildlife, such as the bears moving around and the moose moving around Lower Mountain. And uh, you know, people run up and want to get selfies with a moose. Yeah. In fact, that picture I sent you right before I sent that to you yesterday morning at eight o'clock, um, I stopped my car and I'm in a big kind of pickup truck right there. And I'm like, I'm looking at this moose and her ears are pinned back. And I'm oh, like, boy. And he's eyeballing me. I'm like, not good. I've got, I've got my truck in reverse. So this cat from with Texas license plates, as you'd expect, comes rolling up in a big suburban behind me, blows his horn oh at my me God. on his way. Now, he may not realize that there are two meese uh, <laughs> in front of me that weigh more meese. than both of our trucks. Sure. So I'm sort of in a holding pattern, and I just hold my ground. I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to let these moose do their thing, and then I'll go in and drink my coffee. Well, this guy backs up his car, gets out of his car, runs past me to that moose that you have a picture of with his phone in his hand and he's taking selfies oh, i rolled down my window i said hey man uh that animal weighs 1200 pounds and she's really unhappy right now you better get out of there and he looked at me like there was something wrong with me i'm like i'm about to watch this guy get stomped <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> And anyway, he did retreat, but uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, human beings are, we really uh, are not smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's a shame. And it's, it's situations like that that definitely highlight exactly that thing. It, it was funny, even here at this, you know, I, I can't say little resort, you know, Mountain Creek is a resort for, you know, New York City's backyard, you know, the tri-state region. And sometimes with a lot of the people with whom i'd ski we'd have some nice shortcuts to avoid the long lift lines of some of the chairlifts that go to you know the more popular parts of the mountain we'd take uh chairlifts that go to sort of like racing terrain and then we'd hike over to the more fun terrain and sometimes we'd find ourselves hiking up these short little trails and people would come skiing or snowboarding down they'd see us with skis and snowboards on our shoulders walking up the trail they're about to descend invariably people would stop chris and say well, what's up my answer, bear. <laughs> they, just, 
<laughs> it was so funny to see these poor people like, I'd say, stop. I'm just kidding, man. Really. I'm just kidding. We're just trying to get over to, you know, this or that chair. And, and uh, at Mountain Creek, and Jay, you know better than anybody. I mean, that area is so special in the wildlife department. I it mean, is. You remember sitting on, on my patio right there in, in Silly Campbell Hall watching a bear eat the apples off my tree. Absolutely. Like, what's up, man? So we've got so much wildlife there in the Hudson Valley that people just don't really realize they're right next to it, you know? No, and it's, you know, as I say on this show a lot, especially in the more um, nature-centric segments, you know, the wildlife ad is adapting so rapidly here to human incursion. And I was just, you know, talking about this recently. There's even, I, I have to do annual reports for the federal fish and wildlife people and for the New York State DEC to keep all my licenses and stuff up to date. And I was doing a report about reptiles and amphibians. And I mentioned that this one kind of snake, it's just called a brown snake, believe it or not, little tiny thing. They're very prevalent in the city and all. And we didn't have them so much here when I was growing up. The little snakes here would be, you know, garter snakes and ringneck snakes. All of a sudden, this snake called the brown snake, formerly called the decays snake, they're everywhere. So even silly little things like that just, you know, adapt and flourish. Chris, we have to get a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back, man. Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. This is Rocket Richie, the play-by-play -play guy. And this is Ryan Gosker, color commentator, reminding you the only place you can listen live to Warwick Wildcats football is right here on WTBQ. Brought to you by Sam's Mead Warehouse and Pennings Farm Market and Garden Center. Hi, this is Brian Barrett, host of Million Dollar Feeling, heard every Saturday at 9 a.m. Join me and my guests and learn how you can let go of your past and create a future filled with a million dollar feeling. Saturdays at 9 a.m. We're back with Tales and Trails. This is Jay Westerveld on our weekly show where we talk about the great outdoors, culture, nature, and outdoor recreation, really. And to that end, uh, my guest today is Chris Bell, and this is our final segment here on um for today our last uh 10 or 11 minutes of the show chris and uh we we're just sort of talking about how out it's in steamboat colorado where chris is just yesterday he had moose in the middle of the road holding up traffic and uh some zany texan running out to uh shoot selfies with it and this happens all the time and here in the greater new york area chris as you know um wildlife has been adapting horribly rapidly to all the changes here and and just recently <clears throat> you know one of the tie-ins here with me having this radio show is the pulpit rock in boutique hotel project slated for here in warwick not being an infomercial it's just part of the whole wildlife tie-in a lot of people oppose it as you know and that's a whole other story but 
recently someone on social media was saying, you know, there, there are red-tailed hawks at this site where they want to put this hotel and that building's gonna chase them away. And I pointed out that actually, you know, the, the change up in the ecology around it with all the different plantings will improve it even for the hawks and their hunting. And someone said, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, on social media, Chris, everybody's an expert. And uh, they said, no, 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 red-tailed hawks can't nest near buildings. And I pointed out how uh, 50 driving minutes away in Manhattan, they nest on buildings all throughout Manhattan, red-tailed hawks. So and they, you see that? The, the, the hawks absolutely love Manhattan. Absolutely. And it's crazy. There are probably more red-tailed hawks per square mile in Manhattan on that island than there are in this county. It's just crazy because they, you know, now again, red-tailed hawks really eat mammals, mostly little tiny voles, uh, you know, meadow mice, but they'll also eat woodchuck and rabbit when they can. They're too slow and cumbersome typically to take birds, but there are so many pigeons and of course rats in New York City that they do real well. They eat really well there. They nest on the buildings alongside peregrine falcons now, of course, and um, they adapt really well at, in Central Park. They've had occasionally coyotes coming in and spending the winter there. Now, Chris, you know, Manhattan's an island. At some point, that coyote, he's, you know, he, he's taking the D train or, you know, he's running across. <laughs> I mean, how are they getting there? You know, are, are they, can you picture one trotting across the GW? But they get in there and, you know, they. You know, you are really a bird expert, and I'll never forget sending you a picture of this, what I thought looked like a pigeon sitting on the roof of my greenhouse, eyeballing my cat. And right. you're like, uh, yeah, you <laughs> might want to put that cat away. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, when I was a kid, we lost cats to uh, great horned owls. I remember yeah. my sister had a kitten, and it disappeared, and she was very upset, and there was a great horned owl nest that I used to visit, and I remember finding the, unfortunately, the skull and, you know, bones wrapped up with its fur and the little pellets that the owls regurgitate right under the nest. I mean, it does happen. People have to understand. Well, you know, nature really is an amazing thing. I mean, even if you remember that carriage house up at Tuxedo Park School where oh, yeah. Kristen lived, um, she had a, a yellow lab, and uh, we came home one day. And uh, we had left some, some food out on, on the counter, and she cooked a pie. And we came home in the afternoon, and, um, well, the place was trashed. Well, a bear had removed the window <laughs> from its frame, come into the kitchen. We walked in, and the bear was actually still in there. The dog was sleeping on the couch like they had an agreement. By the way, I, love, I love how you say the bear removed the window as if he was up there with a Phillips head and a magnifying <laughs> glass. You know, it's a bear. He's breaking and entering. It's great. So we walk in and there is a, you know, a big uh, black bear in the kitchen. Oh, and man. And the dog is sleeping on the couch. I'm looking at the dog. I'm like, do you see this? And um, so I think nature kind of has its way uh, regardless of what we do. Well, it's also the three bears revenge. They're still angry about Goldilocks. So they want to kind of do the opposite to us. I'm sure he thought your chair was too small. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it happens, you know, it happens all the time out in Tahoe ski country. I, you know, I've never seen so many bear problems as Lake Tahoe. And one of the reasons for that is as the locals call them the Bay area race, people from the Bay area who come up, they have big parties at the Airb Airbnb, and B, I guess would be the right way to say it. airs B and B. And they just leave their garbage in bags 
on the driveway, you know, because, you know, they're not pigs, Chris. They're not going to bring that garbage back home to uh, Palo Alto and San Bruno. No, they leave it in bags on the driveway. The bears wait. The bears are watching, waiting for them to leave. And the bears adapt. They break into buildings left and right. You hear stories of people it just. Was, it, it, in Steamboat, we, the joke is, is that if you've got a Subaru, Oh, don't no. leave anything in it because the bears can open the doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And who in ski country drives a Subaru? You know? yeah, no, Everybody. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. No, for some reason. Why is that with the Subarus? They always have the back uh, windshield, you know, the Subaru wagon, the, you know, whatever came after the Forester. Always the back windshield is broken by bears. They get yeah. right into them. Um, it must be the same bear who, you know, removed the window at your, at the carriage house, uh, with a, you know, Phillips head very, very neatly with white kid gloves. No, it's crazy. Everything's adapting to, um, you know, the incursion of us into these both urban areas and especially those resort areas. And there are two things for people to remember, try to minimize baiting these animals. You know, don't leave your garbage out like that. Cover your garbage cans. My mom, who lives right on the edge of a state park here in New York, she actually keeps her, her big garbage can in the garage until it's garbage pickup night, and then she rolls it up to the top of the driveway. Um, you know, you have to think ahead of these things. And the other thing to remember is these things don't want to hurt you. Everybody, it seems, who moves here from the more urban areas, you know, here meaning the Hudson Valley of New York, loves to sensationalize how the coyotes are going to rip your lungs out and the you know the bears are going to tear your head off and it just it does not happen uh, you know these are just fuzzy animals who are way more afraid of us than we are of them and um you know if you want to worry about something worry about deer ticks and yellow jackets no, and, and jay i completely agree with you and in fact uh you know it's just a case of being a little bit aware you know when when i lived at our place there on Midway. I love the wildlife. I mean, listening to the owls at night and uh, the coyotes howling. And uh, I, I just thought it was really funny as KJ grew, the animals kept coming toward me. Right. And, I, and I think that it, it really is kind of a neat thing. And if you can sit there and just watch it, I mean, you've walked through space your whole life observing nature, and it's admirable. I, I wish that more human beings would be less scared and more curious as you are you know what i mean it would help things i think you know by curious it doesn't mean <clears throat> jumping out of your chevy tahoe and rushing a, a moose in dreamboat with your you know your your iphone it means <laughs> well, just i'm gonna watch a man in tight blue jeans get stomped by a 1200 pound <laughs> hold my beer <laughs> yeah it, it happens and it happens all too frequently but you, you know that curiosity is better spent just learning everybody is online let's use google and let's find uh, credible sources to learn a little bit about nature right here in warwick new york we have that great little group you're a member of it warwick wildlife even that oh, even yeah. if you don't live in warwick it's a silly facebook group we post and man the members post almost minute by minute photos of which bird is back today and you know which pond has what and by the way i love that resource because I, I follow that, and I love it, because you always put up great information about this bird is this, this is what it does, and I think it's really neat, because people are learning from that, and, you know, it's kind of like a library, a, a living library, actually, of oh, wildlife. thanks, Chris. You know, I'm just making that stuff up. It's not true. 
No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no. You, you know what the heck you're talking about. If, that, if I've got a wildlife question, like, why is this bear in my living room? I'm calling you. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, that, that site is full of things like, yeah, the, uh, the, the cardinal was, uh, you know, discovered by Joe DiMaggio, things, things like that. <laughs> I just want to keep people on, all on the uh, same page there. But no, we, we do keep it accurate. We keep it up, you know, up, up to date, egregiously so. I mean, there are people who just are outdoors all day and from their phones in the field. You know, these are people our age, Chris, who are just out there enjoying themselves and they're sharing photos. Hey, this or that lake suddenly has a loon on it. It just arrived here yesterday. Oh, Jay, it's so by much the way, fun. Before, before we've got to go, I, I do want to say to you, please, um, around this time of year, would you go up to my house there uh, on Nitz Way, there is this funny thing about birds, and, and there are these bird watchers that every year around April would drive in my driveway and give me some suet and say, would you mind putting some of this out, and can we watch the birds that come to your property? Ah, so, yeah. please, so please, Jay, go up there with some of your friends and cameras and stuff. You're, you're welcome there, as you know, and Great. sit on my patio and just watch, because between the woodpeckers that fly through and all of these subtropical birds that start showing up this time of year. I don't know why that area is so rich. I don't know if it's that little man-made tomahawk lake below us, but between the bald eagles and the subtropical birds that, that start to show up. And I do have about four or five bluebird boxes on the perimeter of my property. Sure. So please encourage your friends and, and, and you please go there. Um, and check it out because it really is in April a bird watching. And I know nothing about birds, but I do remember sitting there every spring going, wow, I'm kind of lucky. Chris, you know? I'm, I'm going to do it. And that's a great reminder to everyone else. Bring your bird feeders in at night. And we're getting to the time of year where they don't necessarily always have to be out. And uh, keep the bears away by bringing your feeders in at night. But put the feeder out still because now is when we get a lot of interesting things coming through. Sit down, sit outside, watch the birds, watch other things, and just breathe. Catch some rays and breathe. Chris, uh, I just want to make sure that I, again, thank you for being on the program today. It's always really, really an honor, and it's a privilege to call you my friend. And before we run out of time, I just wanted to say thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Take care, Chris. And I hope to talk to you again really soon, and I will be up at your house. To everyone else, thanks. get outdoors.